Well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we pray that we will receive your word with gladness and joy. Lord, you hold all things in the palm of your hand. And Lord, I pray that's not something that just rests in our mind, but it affects our entire being. In the holy and wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we're doing Christianity 101. Our first Sunday was all about salvation. Uh, last Sunday was about baptism. Today we're going to talk about discipleship. I'm sure you've heard that word many times. Jesus had 12 disciples. And we talk about discipleship programs and do you disciple people, you know, and what have you. What does discipleship mean? Well, me, well, what it really means is to be a follower. That's what discipleship means. And you think of the word discipline, that there are certain spiritual disciplines that we have so that we are a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, back in these days, as we talk about Bible days, to be a follower costs you literally everything. Today, we really don't suffer like they did back then. And, you know, I'm thankful, but at the same time, it means that my faith can be lukewarm. And it's just like, well, life is good and everything's fine. But, you know, friends, the Bible is very clear that the devil is the father of all lies. And so often we, we, we think this, as long as I believe, I'll keep it in my treasure chest and just keep it there, pull on it when I need it, and live my life as I so please. And friends, what happens with that is we fall out of total fellowship with God. Oh, he still loves us. But knowing his peace, knowing his goodness, knowing his joy that passes all understanding does not mark our hearts and lives. We continue to struggle like everybody else because we are a natural man. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If I could have the natural man slide up there, please. What does the natural man look like? While he's doing that, go to Psalms chapter 1. Go to Psalms chapter 1. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. No, leave, leave that up. Leave up the natural man one, please. The natural man is ignorant in the ways of God because the things of God just seem as foolishness to him. The second point, the natural man is arrogant concerning his place in the universe because he doesn't believe there's anything else but himself in the universe, and the universe exists to make me happy. He is busy making his own plans. He constantly invites noise into his life. He denies his own sin, and he's very, very attracted to idols. 1 John 1, 7 says this, But if we walk in the light, as he, that's Jesus Christ, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, here's how the devil fools us. Some of us, sometimes we think that we can kind of, um, oh, I don't know, when it comes to God, we can kind of say, well, listen, I prayed that prayer on Wednesday night, so you are obligated to let me go to heaven. 
And the Bible says very clearly, there will many, many will say to me, Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Lord, didn't I do this in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Religious people that you may know will say, God, I deserve heaven because I, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. See, folks, one of the marks of a Christian is you have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It brings wonderful peace, but it also brings conviction of sin. But here's the good part. The more we're convicted of sin and confess it before God, the cleaner your life becomes and the fellowship with Christ grows. Jesus loves you, but he'll have nothing to do with sin. Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross that we may walk, which means live. The verse could easily say, but if we live in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, it cleanses us from all sin. Let's, Psalm chapter 1. Let's go there for just a minute. God is your creator. God is the maker of this world. What he calls important is important. Whether we agree with him or not is real irrelevant. He is the maker and creator. And here's what he writes here in Psalms chapter 1 through David. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf it shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly, they shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Friends, every single day, we're either growing like a tree into righteousness, or we're not. And you know what? You don't have to be the chief of all sinners to be enmity against God. See, the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, one of the worst ones that Jesus said, I will spew you out of my mouth, was the lukewarm church that basically just didn't do anything. But it says here, the man who walks or lives. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly because he sprouts like a tree of righteousness. The book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah talks about oaks of righteousness, strong in the Lord. And friends, let me just say this, okay? Walking in the counsel of the ungodly is a lot easier than we think. Because the counsel is not just what comes out of their mouths, but it's a mindset. When I ask somebody for their counsel, I'm asking them for their advice. I'm saying, well, what do you think? What should I do in this situation? You know, what's been your experience? Can you help me with that? And it's very easy, friends, to take the counsel of the ungodly, kind of mix it in with a little religion, a little Jesus, and we come up with our own concoction, so to speak. But you see, friends, we know whether it's of Jesus Christ if we are growing in him like a tree planted by rivers of water. 
It's interesting, David uses a tree, and this is way before Jesus ever said, those who abide in me will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, I do and do and do all day long. And friends, when I was far, far, far from God, I did and I did and I did all day long. But it's just like the Bible said when God said to Paul, why are you still kicking against the goads? And I say it like this, why are you still kicking against the bricks? Thinking you're going to get your own way? Think you can make me compromise? Why do you keep doing this, Paul? For it leads to nothing. And that's why it says right here, look at this, the ungodly are not so, it says in verse uh, 4, but they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. You know, friends, I'm sure most of us are probably like me. There was a time when I just didn't want anything to do with Jesus, Bible, God, anything that I called religious. I didn't find any bit of worth in it whatsoever. And I look and see, okay, so what do I have now that's of value from the days that I was away from God? And to be honest with you, there's not much. Because, see, at that time, I'm thinking about what's fashionable, what's cool, what's hip, what's today. And all of that stuff blows away very quickly. See, that's why the Bible says that the things of sin, they only last for a season. Maybe a couple months, a couple years, but they only last a season. It says here, look at this. In his law, we meditate day and night. Okay, so I sit like a monk? No. It means that my mindset is upon the law of the Lord. Now, does that mean I'm always walking around saying, well, I can't steal, I can't kill, I can't gossip? I can't. No, no, friends, listen. The law of the Lord leads to life. So he is life eternal. So I can sit there and say, well, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But what if I sought God's way? God is life. Stealing's not a part of life. God is life. Killing's not a part of life. God brings peace. Gossip's not a part of peace. So that's not who I am anymore. I'm growing into an oak of righteousness that's roots are big and strong and in good soil and growing in Christ's likeness. And see, friends, listen, it doesn't happen on its own. We don't just sit on a mountaintop and all of a sudden I've got a revelation. No, listen, what you put your time, effort, and energy to is what turns out with the best. Let me, let me explain, okay? I can say I'm a carpenter all day long because I own a hammer. I'm a builder because I own a saw and a screwdriver. That proves that I am a carpenter. I can own those things all day long, but I'm only a carpenter when I use those tools to produce something. Now, I can fool myself and say, I'm the best carpenter there is. I have a saw, I have a hammer, I have a screwdriver, and I'm buying me the best toolbox you've ever saw. But that doesn't mean a thing, does it? It's when they're put to use that then it brings blessing, then it brings joy. can bring an income even. But it's when I use these things. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Why? Because as he meditates day and night, he has a different mindset. Let me explain something for just a moment. 
One of the verses we're going to look at today is where Jesus said to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay? This is after a 40-day fast. Now, I'd be a little hungry. How about you? And Satan said, well, listen, why don't you just turn those rocks into bread? And that's when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, well, he was the son of God. He had the power to do it. So, you know, that's why he could do it. Listen, friends, now listen. He was able to do it because by his Holy Spirit within us, we make that decision before we ever get to that situation. If you wait till you get to that situation, you'll be dead. <laughs> but if I meditate upon the Lord Jesus Christ and I seek him in his word and I seek him in prayer and I thirst for him like a man who, th who thirsts for water, then that decision is made before I ever get to that situation. Look at this now. It brings forth fruit in its season. Leaf shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. Now let me say this. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. You can say all day long, you're a peach tree. But if you're bearing pears, it's not a peach tree. You can say all day long that uh, this is an apple tree. But if it's bearing, oh, I don't know, pecans, <laughs> it's not an apple tree. And God shows us in his word what other fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, graciousness, patience. These are the fruit of the Spirit and a longing for the things of God. The ungodly are not so as like a chaff which the wind drives away. Listen, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The godly shall not stand in the judgment. Let me tell you what that means. They will stand, but they will fall. They will not hold up in the judgment. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Why does God ask us to grow in Him? I mean, after all, if I made a decision for Him whenever it was, and, you know, my name's written in the Lamb's book of life, why should I now have to seek him in his word, seek him in prayer, and all that? Why do I need to grow in Christ if, hey, <laughs> I'm already saved? Well, let me say this, friends. God gave you a life for a reason, didn't he? And today we're really big on what's my purpose? What's my purpose in life? What am I here for? Friends, remember day one. We are here for the glory of God. And when we refuse to give ourselves the life of God. Let me say how do I want to phrase that. When we refuse to discipline ourselves so that God can glorify himself through us. We may be saved but we are as disobedient as could be. There will be no crowns in heaven for me. And how hard will one weep after they go to heaven, see the glory of God, and say, oh, why didn't I? How could I fall for this, such a foolish trick? How silly. God gave me a big, huge book that was all about him. And I got caught up in this, which amounted to nothing. See, when we talk about judgment, the Bible says it's kind of like this. Put all our stuff in a pile. And it's set on fire. <laughs> And gold, jewels, and gems, they don't burn. 
But hay, wood, and stubble goes up like nothing. The gold, jewels, and gems, those are the things of the fruit that is produced for the Lord Jesus Christ. The hay, wood, and stubble is the counsel of the ungodly, which doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Listen, if God made me, and God loves me so much that he sent his own son to shed his blood on a cruel, horrible cross to die for me, wouldn't it be kind of smart to grow in him if he says, this is the way, walk ye therefore in it? Would, would it not just be logical? 1 Corinthians 9.25, it takes discipline to know God. Everyone who competes in the games, Paul says, they train with strict discipline. They do it for a crown that's perishable, but we do it for a crown that's imperishable. You know, we just had the Winter Olympics. There was gold, there was bronze, there was silver. You know, any medal would be great. But I'll tell you this, whoever won the bronze this year, you bet they're looking towards gold for two years from now. I think it's every two years. They're looking for a gold medal the next time they compete. And everyone who competes has a strict training regimen. The gold medal winner, forget that, the bronze medal winner didn't sit around the house eating cake and watching sitcoms. They were training to win the prize. The Bible tells us the same thing with the Apostle Paul. We train to win the prize. First of all, it takes discipline to know God because he gives us his word. And like I just said, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Prayer. Listen to what Jesus did. Mark 135, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now that's the Son of God. How much more should an adopted son or daughter of God do the same thing? Why would I forfeit all eternity for something that lasts like a mist? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now this is the wedding uh, um, verse, I guess you could say, but I want us to apply it to our lives beyond a wedding, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love of God is way beyond the love of what we know. The Bible says in the book of Romans, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to confess my love is conditional a lot of times. You treat me right, I'll treat you right. You treat me wrong, well, I don't know, you're on shaky ground. So many of us, our love is conditional. But when our love is conditional, we fall into this, this, this pitfall of sin that when we allow sin into our lives, it gets us into the counsel of the ungodly. We start to walk in their paths, not the path of the righteous that God has set aside for us. And that happens so oftentimes when we just, we say, okay, God, I've got Sunday set aside for you. I'll listen to the sermon, maybe even go to Sunday school. But you know what? That's about all I can give you this week. And you see, friends, when that happens, we don't even recognize Satan's pitfalls. Look at this now. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 
But if I don't have love, I'm just a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, I have all knowledge, I have all faith in the world so that I could remove mountains, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. It's kind. Love, it doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Now, let's stop right there. This is otherworldly. All right? I can't do it. You cannot do it. But let me give you a guarantee. If you will let Jesus Christ do this in you, you will be free indeed. You'll be just like that Gumby I brought up here. Stuff happens, but you just kind of bend with the flow. Because the love of Jesus Christ encompasses us. We're not stiff and got our back against the wall, and who do you think you are, and you know, it's all about me, and blah, blah, blah. That's easily shattered by the slightest word. But full of the love and grace and spirit of God, we kind of bend with the flow. And if this love can live in me, when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. You know what? As I read this, it does not one, there's not one word that depends on what kind of car I drive, where I live, clothes I wear, my job, all these things the wicked run after. But there's not a word of that in here. Because none of that brings any lasting peace or joy or anything. But look at this in verse 8. Love never fails. Whether there's prophecies, well, they'll fail. Whether there's tongues, they're going to cease. Whether there's knowledge, <laughs> it'll vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part, it'll be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away those childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know just as I am known. I want you to go to 11, all right? A tree planted by the rivers of living water. It was a seedling at one time. At one time, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child. Do you know what's one of the saddest things, friends? In an individual who says, I've been a Christian for 25 years and still thinks as a child, understands as a child, and still deals with childish things in the Spirit of God doesn't understand one more thing than that day 25 years ago and is still a seedling by the river but obviously not drinking in the water of the river because Jesus said anyone who thirsts if you come after me if I give you water you'll never thirst again so something's off here. If there's a seedling right next to the water and it's not growing, either God is wrong or the seedling's wrong. But there's something wrong. 
Because life is growing. Life is becoming Christ-like. Life is giving glory to God. And a stuck seedling doesn't give God glory. Look at this though. But when I became a man, I put away those childish things. When I grew as a tree, I put away the little tender roots that would get all smushed up at the slightest thing. And I grew and I became an oak of righteousness, which not only do I have strong roots, but I also produce a fruit to help others with their life. I produce fruit to give life. Look at this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know just as I am known. Listen, there's no way that we can see heaven with this, okay? This gives us a picture. And I'm sure it's greater than our mind could ever imagine or think. But you know what? This is kind of like a peephole. And it gives us a little taste of what it's like. That last verse, 15. Now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. There'll never be godly love in your life without discipline, without growing in the Lord Jesus Christ through His Word and prayer. This will not happen. We will stay in childish little things, peevish things, getting all upset all the time. You know, I love babies, but boy, they cry a lot, don't they? <laughs> and they take so much care. The slightest things just seems to set them off. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Some of the ways, friends, listen, I talk about reading the Bible and praying. One of the things you can journal well, that was good for me. It's like keeping a diary and every day I'd write down what scriptures I read, what the Lord showed me. And it's interesting when you go back in time, be it months ago, years ago, and see what you prayed for and how God brought them to pass. Quick story. Kathy and I, when we were in Georgia, we did a prayer bag. It was just one of those little lunch bags. You know, those brown paper lunch bags you used to take to put your lunch in when you go to work or school. And we start putting all these requests in there. And a few months later, we took it out. And I mean God answered by that time 90% of them. But see, had we not done that, we would have forgot about it. We said, oh yeah, yeah, God took care of that three months ago, two months ago. And you just go on and you forget about it. But when we put it in that bag and we start taking them out, hey, he answered this. Yeah, this and this. Not the way we thought, but the way he thought. Well, guess what that does for the future? It bolsters my trust and it bolsters my faith that, okay, Lord, just like these others, I'm going to give it to you and I'll wait and see what you do. I don't try to get in there and manipulate God and say, now I have to have this, now you got to do it by now, you got to do it. No. I saw before that didn't work. So I put it in the bag and I trust him. There's journaling, there's fasting. You know what? You don't have to fast food, you can fast TV. You can fast the internet. You can fast chocolate. You can, it doesn't always have to be food, but you put something aside so you can clearly hear God. Just like we just read, dimly see. Okay, if I'm dimly seeing, I'm going to put some stuff aside for a while to make my, my vision, my spiritual eye clear. 
Share the gospel. Friends, you'd be shocked what that will do for your, your faith and your walk. You know what? I'll tell you one thing. Missionaries go all, all over the world. Indonesia, China, the Middle East, Canada, Mexico, South America. But all of them have one thing in common. I hear it over and over again. They come back and say, man, it changed my life. Man, it changed my life. And they were over there doing one thing, sharing the gospel. And it changed their life. Stewardship. We need to trust God with our finances. Lastly, sometimes just simply silence and solitude. Just listen to God's voice. Don't ask him. Be quiet. Just listen. Well, what all is this for? Last verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We looked at this a few weeks ago. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. The whole purpose for this is for godliness. What's godliness? John 3.30. He must increase, I must decrease. More of God, less of me. That's godliness. All right? Less of the world, less of the junk, more of the quality. Less of my desires, more of his desires. Less of my hay, wood, and stubble, more of his gems, jewels, and precious things. 2 Timothy chapter 20. But in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Now, some are for honor, some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. That's why every Christian needs to be in discipleship right there. Because we are made for the glory of God and we need to become vessels of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. You know, friends, it's wonderful to see how all the dots come together when you're really serving in the purpose you were made for. It's amazing to see how God brings all of life together and it starts to make sense when we walk in His way. When we choose the path of the ungodly, friends, it's all, and it doesn't make any sense. Last verse. I know that I said that one, but 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Let's just read this and we'll be done, okay? Let's start in verse 1 so it makes more sense. Therefore, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Commit the gospel to faithful men and women that will be able to bear fruit and give life to others also. That's the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is to give life. And there's no better way than being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lord, I know this is true. And I pray by the blood of Jesus that you will eliminate any resistance in our hearts. Father, that we will fall before you. That every knee shall bow and every tongue confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.